TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome back to Wellness Women Radio. You're with Andrea. And I'm Ashley. And today we are talking about something a little bit different that we haven't brushed on yet. And that is the rituals around our cycles or around our our monthly period. And the reason this has actually come up for us uh, this week is because of some things that have been pretty pervasive in the media at the moment. And also it really made us look at uh, the culture that we have around our period and how messed up it is. Would you agree? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And also just this idea, there's so many taboos surrounding our cycles. I mean, even the word period has like an icky negative connotation yeah, to it. You know, someone says, oh, she's on a period. For some reason, we rather than thinking, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. We go, oh, poor thing. It's almost like you need sympathy and, and um, empathy for that poor woman going through a period. But today we want to talk about some things that actually may just flip your ideas on what a period is and how that actually affects your day-to-day life. I mean, just some of those more energetic elements to what your cycle does in terms of mentally, spiritually, emotionally, how that all connects. And then on the flip side of that, how you can actually use that to your advantage to really connect with those cycles, but how you can be most productive as well and how you can be most in tune and use that you know, divine feminine wisdom that is available to all of us to really benefit the things that you want to manifest within your life. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. And it's exciting too, because when you, you think of it, the word taboo and, and period and cycle, what sort of things come to mind? I mean, icky, dirty, um, maybe unclean, uh, we resent it, we'd rather not have it. It's It doesn't really have a whole lot of positive energy to it, does it? I always think about the way that mothers talk to me in practice, so my patients, about their teenage daughters who've just uh, menstruated for the first time. So, you know, they've started becoming these cycling women, they've, they've sort of transitioned into womanhood. And the mums say it with <laughs> such a, a sullen look on their face, and the teenage girls do not want a bar of it. They'll want to talk about it uh they're dreading it coming up each month because it is in our society right now which is just horrendous it is shameful embarrassing it's embarrassing it's unhygienic it is uh completely inconvenient and even though we are so evolved now um there's still all of this evidence that we're so self-conscious about our cycles, which is ridiculous. And I think you nailed a massive word because today's women, and particularly our listeners, they're generally women who are go-getters, they're busy mums or, or busy women doing lots of things. And I think the number one word that comes to mind about cycle is inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, an absolute pain in the pelvis, you know, like yeah, literally. you'd rather not have it. Yeah. And I think that's why so many women are now choosing contraceptive methods that take that out of the equation. Yeah, so, and they go for three, six, 12 months without menstrual bleeds because they'd rather not have the bleed at all. Yeah, exactly, which is, you know, they can do it quite actively. They can skip their pills if they're on the oral contraceptive pill. They can choose other forms of contraception like the marina or the IUD, which, you know, generally you don't get a bleed on that, um, or their implants or the implants where they can go up to three years 
without a menstrual bleed. Yeah, and if you're listening and you have opted for some of those contraceptive options, this is not to make you wrong. This is to give you some sort of, I guess, insight into other ways of looking at something that is traditionally a shameful experience or we'd prefer not to be. So I hope today is enlightening and it's a bit of exciting too because we get to dive right. I mean, we're going back. We're going back into the days of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is going into such depth through history and the evolution of where our ideas and notions came about femininity and womanhood and cycles. I, I'm actually really excited because even I was able to learn something in you know, doing the research for this. So yeah. what was it that triggered you to say that to me, Ash, next week we're going to talk about cycles and we're going to talk about this whole you know, mythical element and where we've gone so wrong? Um, that's a really good question. I actually found this article in The Collective magazine. and Which we love, by the way. It's <laughs> yeah. such an enlightening thing. And, and towards the back, and it's the most recent uh, issue, it's, it talks about uh, there is an advertisement in the New York subway that uh, it was something about menstrual under, a menstrual underwear company wanted to advertise you know, within the subway. That would be great exposure for them. And it was deemed completely inappropriate. And the decision was to remove it because, you know, it was something that no one wanted to see. Whereas they were quite happy to advertise uh, for, you know, breast augmentations or plastic surgery or you know, anything else. That... Well, just so they didn't want to advertise just because they used the word period. Uh, I'm not even sure if it was actually period, if it was just menstrual underwear that they would deem to be completely inappropriate. And I think that is so topical now because our culture treats menstrual blood as if it's just, it's an excretory substance that needs, you know, hygienic disposal, uh, menstrual odor, you know, standing on the clothes, all of that sort of thing is completely shameful. And our, you know, very peculiar culture still advertises you know, if you see advertisements on TV with sanitary pads or liners, that menstrual blood is inked blue. Oh, it's true. When they pour than... it onto pads yeah, or exactly. they Have you ever noticed tampons that? into jars of liquid, it's yeah. always a, like a, a blue liquid. Because blood is so shameful. Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. Yeah. Even that's, even for me, that's something new. That's fascinating. So we have been so enculturated to think of this as just something that you can't talk about. Men absolutely do not want to know anything about this. Uh, and women are now starting to be able to have this conversation with each other. Uh, but if you see, you know, someone going off to the bathroom, they're hiding things in their pockets. They're not you know, speaking freely about this, this thing that happens to, when you think about it, half of the adult population on the planet yeah. once a month. Yeah, if they're not in, uh, obviously, they're pregnant or... Or in past, menopause, in menopause, yeah. Menopause, yeah. It's, but seriously, half the adult population, and we can't even bloody well talk about it. And we still do secret handshakes in the bathroom as we pass the tampon across to the other girl who's looking terribly, that she's just started her cycle that night, and you're out of the club, and it's like, oh my God, help, help, help. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. Well, hey, ladies, I'm sure that you've um, probably recognize this pattern before but did you know that the menstrual cycle and the lunar moon cycle are actually perfectly in sync at 28 days they're essentially one in the same and that's how uh even the word menstruation comes from the greek word um menses meaning moon and power which i kind of like and men meaning month so our our cycle is based on the lunar cycle. Moon, power, and month. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Imagine if we embrace that energy. Just those words themselves make you sound as though, like, it's it's 
great to be a woman to have this opportunity to, to bleed cyclically. And a lot of women do. Mm. Uh, most women should either ovulate or menstruate with the full uh, and new moon or the waxing waning moon uh, it's very very normal to have your period on a full moon um, in my experience full moon periods are a little bit more dramatic than new moon periods uh, but that is actually what's considered normal but no one actually knows this because no one is actually in touch with these cycles now speaking of not in touch i have to share this with you because it really got me chuckling i want to tell you about pliny the elder and he was a roman naturalist and um he actually wrote one of the first encyclopedias of natural history so you think he should be quite in touch with nature and and all the things that require you know the cycles for creation but this is what he wrote now he died in the volcanic eruption of mount vesuvius so maybe that was poetic justice right there but this is what he wrote about his idea Ideas about, I guess, Roman ideas at this time about women and their cycles. Contact with monthly flux of women turns new wine sour, makes crops wither, kills grafts, dries seeds in gardens, causes the fruits of trees to fall off, dims the bright surface of mirrors, dulls the edge of steel and the gleam of ivory, kills bees, rusts irons, and bronze. I mean. It goes on and on. I could keep going because it's quite odd. And that's right. Dogs who taste the blood become mad and their bite becomes as poisonous as rabies. That's hilarious. (laughs) It's not absolutely hilarious. And that is not um, unlike so much of society around that time as well. Um, Sample, the the evil eye symbol, um, I'm sure everybody's seen that. It's the the blue and white symbol with the, um, lots of people have it in jewelry or tattoos and that sort of thing. It's actually originated from, you know, the glance of what's called a menstruant or a menstrual woman harming crops, food and babies. So the time when she's on her period, she has that power to do such things. Um, we must be magic we're like we're total sorceress you know magic women however before this started and we're going to talk about when that crux was and what actually happened around that time um, before that a menstruating woman was revered Mm. and it was because blood was always seen as you know this life-giving force and a woman would bleed monthly and she would bleed with childbirth but it would be without a wound or without being harmed and she would heal herself so So it's always magic it is always magical isn't it that's exactly why it it was so potent and it was revered women were seen as the most creative potent powerful force in the universe because they were the givers of life and they How we still are. I mean, that? there's no closer connect to Mother Nature than to be in synchronized with the cycles of the planet, you know, exactly. of the seasons, yeah. the four seasons and the four phases of the menstrual cycle, the 28 days and the lunar calendar. I mean, when you really get down to it and you think a little bit more carefully about it, rather than being resentful of a cycle, you can actually start to see how this can be so empowering if you could honor this cycle on a monthly basis. Yeah, and exactly. also do some things that would help to allow your body to get better rhythm with those natural cycles um, to enjoy the benefits that come with the cycle as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's absolutely possible. And Indigenous cultures and, you know, beautiful African tribes certainly had all of these rituals around what would happen when women would menstruate and it was all to preserve that potency of their power so i'm sure a lot of women have heard about this idea of the red tent or moon baiting and essentially it's one in the same so for example in in african tribes when women would be gearing up to menstruate because they would all menstruate and ovulate at the same time uh you know you might have heard of 
you know, best friends who have synced their cycle or women in close proximity who sync their cycle. And it's very, very normal because women are supposed to be in touch and in tune with these cycles and rhythms of other women. And That's also why poor husbands with maybe a family of five women, you know, actually want to escape at least for one week a month because they've got, you know, all their daughters and wife all in the same cycle and uh, they're really feeling that energy and getting a bit overwhelmed by possibly the, uh, you know, the expression of some of the more menstrual symptoms that, yeah. are, that possibly to that person don't make them happy or comfortable being around women in that stage. And... Uh, that, I think, is really true and telling of the fact that we don't honor our cycles. Mm. So, the, you know, that premenstrual time when women are all completely crazy, we fly off the handle and we blame our period. Whereas we don't actually look at that and go, okay, what is this uh, bringing up in me that I actually need to look at? And we'll talk about that when we go through the actual phases of the cycle. But, you know, when we're talking about the moon baiting on the red tent, the women would actually leave the tribe. They would leave the men. The older women who, or the pregnant women um, who had either, you know, finished menstruating, who were, had, say, moved into menopause, would then take over some of those duties. And the younger women would rise up and take over some of the duties that the, the menstruating women would have while they're away and they would spend the time away from the men they would honor and nurture each other they would really tap into their wisdom at that time because that's part of what happens during you know menstruation it's actually when we are most intuitive which is fascinating and then they would return and join the tribe once that cycle was over and they you know felt very comfortable being around men again uh, and that is so lost we don't have any sort of ritual around our periods at all. Um, you know, we will just keep going. We will burn ourselves into the ground even when we're not feeling it. I always teach my patients that especially during your period, at the very least, don't exercise, on, especially on those first couple of days. And there's lots of reasons for that. One is that your uh, fluid balances are going to be very, very off. Your positional sense, your proprioception, it changes a lot. And your fine motor skills actually decrease as well which is really interesting. And yeah. you don't have that same center of gravity or balance. So you're more prone to injury around this time anyway. But it shouldn't be a time of that outwardness. It should be, hopefully, a time when you're allowed to give yourself some space. You're allowed to RSVP no to everything and internalize. Um, so, Ash, let's start there. Let's start at that actual menstrual, uh, you know, time and talk about what that actually signifies. Hmm. So, look, as we said, and hopefully if you're listening here and um, we're about to dive into a little bit of science here too. So, I know that you, you, you've come to know us to introduce science along the way and we are. This is a challenging topic because I know it's very polarizing for a lot of women that as soon as you start talking about moon cycles and, you know, red tents and stuff, hippie hoodoo voodoo, hippie la la starts to come into some women's minds thinking, I don't have time for all that nonsense. It's, it's that almost default mechanism going, I don't have time for this and all this hippie la la. I just need to get on with my week. I don't have time to listen to this nonsense. But please, if that's you having those thoughts right now, keep listening because honestly, some of the dissatisfactions you're experiencing cannot clearly be attributed to this disconnect with your body and your cycles 
why not start to learn about what they are? Get curious a little bit more about what your body does and why it does it. And from there, explore how hippie lala you want to go with it. You know, I wouldn't uh, encourage if you're a corporate woman to retreat for a week in a month. I think that's going to present a great challenge to your career. But there are some obviously some solutions we can give you that are going to help you create small rituals that will not interfere with your necessary daily life and work functions. But I would actually challenge you to see if you can actually change that culture around your workplace to be more fluid so that when you are really, really productive, when you're really uh, articulate, when you are in that certain phase, and we'll come to this in a minute, when you are really on the ball and you can be doing that, to really capitalize on that. Use that time as best you can. Communicate with your, you know, your work uh, colleagues that that is when you want to plan these strategy sessions. You want to be doing, you know, those speaking events that were uh, provided. But this time would maybe not be as beneficial. Yeah, very interesting. So let's talk about the four four seasons, essentially. Just like the seasons we have through the summer through to the winter, um, your week one is your menstruation, and that's your days in the first sort of one to seven days. Now, this is interesting because it's generally synced or should ideally be synchronized with the new moon, as you said, Andrea. Yeah. And it's a process of cleansing, and this is where, you know, removing negative thoughts and emotions is a powerful part because this is when you are getting those changes. The uterine lining is shedding along with an egg or two that's been unfertilized. And it is literally a process of removal and cleansing and renewal. And that's the first phase. And so this is when women, you're going through mental cleansing as well. It might be a time when you go into your cupboards and you're starting to declutter things or you're pulling out clothes you don't like anymore, whether it's because you think you're having a fat moment or not, it doesn't matter. It's just simply, it's almost this urge to clean up, clear up, clear out too much stuff in my life. I've got to get rid of stuff. It sort of goes with that cyclic need to remove. And this is certainly, like I said before, when women are at their absolute most intuitive. Mm. Uh, This is when you can really trust that inner wisdom. This is when all of the questions that were posed to you in that pre-menstrual phase, um, all the whys, that's when you actually get the answers to all of this stuff. Uh, So that's that's really fascinating. And then this is when sitting in the space and silence is so powerful. Being allowed to be silent, being allowed to not have to talk to everyone all day long um, because that's when this is a time that's meant to serve that purpose, silence and, and introspection. How about phase two? So then we talk about, you know, okay, so you've gone through your, your cleansing process of, of things and then you're moving into your pre-ovulation phases and this is when, you know, the day seven to 14 is happening and it's soon after your cycle or your period, the menstrual bleed, when you're actually feeling most energetic. Mm-hmm. So this would be almost like the, the summertime of your cycle. Yeah. So this is when you are certainly most productive. This is when your body seems to work best. So this is when women will experience the least amount of you know, fluid, uh, retention, um, breast tenderness, all of those sorts of things that can be associated with other phases of those cycle. And this is when also women are most articulate as well. So time to kick off new projects and yes. creative pursuits and pitch an idea in the office space. That's the time when you're going to be most clear about that. Yeah, absolutely. If you're writing your memoirs, this is the time to do it. (laughs) Then we move on to the ovulation phase. And during this time when our body ovulates, this is the absolute best time of the month because this is usually when women's libidos are highest. 
and it's for a reason. This is when the egg is released from the ovary. This is prime baby making time. This is when women feel their sexiest, they feel their most attractive, more so in this time than in any other time. Um, this is when they're more attracted to others as well. So this is when their pheromones are really connecting to other, you know, pheromones. And just something to consider that if you are taking any kind of hormonal contraception, all of these senses are then suppressed. You're not going to have that same connectability that you would feel at, um, you know, during this ovulation phase. Interestingly enough, this is also when women are most empathetic. So this is when your partner can keep forgetting to take out the rubbish and it's okay. You know, you can't, you forgive them because it doesn't matter what they do. You still want to be ready to, you know, make babies, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Um, they say that women, uh, their words per minute ratio actually increases dramatically around this ovulation time because they can express themselves so much better to get the things that they want. How cool is that? So this is the time of the month when you should be negotiating. If you want a pay rise, if you want, if there's some sort of tough uh, conversation that you need to have with someone that you're having trouble finding the right words, this is the time to focus on that because that will certainly help you around, around them because you'll be most empathetic to what their needs are as well, which will certainly get you that best resolution. And there's also the feminine power there because there is not only your attraction, it's their attraction to you. Yeah, there's an incredible connect there because a woman at that stage is is powerfully attractive, and it's almost like that that unknown, which is the pheromone factor, which men can't quite understand why they're totally head over heels for a woman. That's probably because she's in that cyclic phase that's just exuding so much of that. There is nothing more attractive and sexy than a woman who is standing completely unencumbered in her power and unapologetic for that. Uh, I read a really funny study that um, strippers make the most amount of tips when they're ovulating. (laughs) And it's for that reason. Um, You know, they have that that primal attractiveness that men can't quantify or qualify, but it's there. And then we move into the fourth phase, and that's your premenstruation. That's your days 21 to 28, and it's on the other side of ovulation. And you're going to notice that decreasing estrogen and testosterone and um, increasing progesterone, because that's the idea that it's meant to, if you are able to conceive, then you'll hold that fertility and it keeps that uh, level high as long as possible so that you can grow an embryo in the urine lining, which is really interesting as to why all these happen. And it's like... And they sort of it's a beautiful analogy. Progesterone is the ebb to estrogen's flow. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a great way of thinking of yeah. it? The estrogen creates the flow and progesterone is the tide bring it back. It's that ebb. So so important because intuition in weeks three and four of your cycle is when you say trust just trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Trust your intuition intuition. Yeah. It's calling hard. It's part of that primal protective mechanism too, I think. It's it's that time around if you happen to have fallen pregnant, you become intuitive to the needs mm-hmm. of your body and potentially the growing embryo isn't that interesting and this is also that time when women are going to be asking all those questions why why are things like this um you're going to be seeing the injustices of the world and you're going to be feeling them a lot deeper as well um and that's just part of our again our primal instincts um it's really interesting progesterone 
is almost like a women's own version of, of nature's Valium. So it should help to keep you, you know, level-headed. However, so many women attest that time of their cycle, that, you know, that premenstrual phase to the... Crazy cow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The huge ups and downs of, of hormones and emotions. Um, you know, it's very much a result of hormonal imbalance, but also because we're not in touch with any of these things that are happening, we cannot be sensitive to us at that time, this is when your partners are going to be driving you crazy for all of the little things. You know, this is the stuff that you want to nitpick at them about. But can I just say, hold off. So just wait until the next phase when you can actually get a bit of perspective on why it was that these things were driving you crazy. And this is the crazy teenage daughter that you can't understand, can't connect with. She's totally hormonal. (laughs) So whenever we hear the word hormonal, I think when it comes to women's health and women's well-being, being hormonal is generally in that fourth phase of that cycle, isn't it? It's It's just that stage where you're just coming towards the new bleed and it's causing yeah these imbalances so to speak that if not honored correctly um express themselves in this you know i guess what we'd consider not normal social behavior aggression cattiness nastiness um all these things that we don't attribute to being feminine and whole in some ways and in that same breath it'll be it can be all of those all within a a matter of moments so it can be the anger and aggression followed by tears (laughs) and and sorrow and And how many of us have felt that i mean how many of have felt that and just attribute it to pms but not wholly understanding what we've just described as being it's a normal cyclic part however there's all of these things we've talked about for in terms of women's health and well-being and hormone imbalances, you need to go back to the other episodes where we talked about these things because in detail it starts to then make more sense why hormonal imbalances and issues regarding stress, diet and lifestyle, the effect on hormones, how this is all just exacerbated and worsened. And instead of being you know, intuitive and, and reflective, we miss all of those signals because we don't have the right cycles and the right balances. And, and we're so disconnected, not just to our cycle, but to ourselves as well. So this is the time or this is the phase of the cycle when that introspection is really important. This is when you know, and look, if you can, if you have the luxury of being able to plan your calendar to the month rather than the week or you know whatever it might be, this part of the month is when you want to RSVP no. You don't want to push yourself and force yourself and let people down and be, you know, maybe a little bit more emotionally sensitive to certain things than what you would normally be. So prepare yourself for that and just honor that. Um, anything that is bugging you about your relationship, your work relationships, whatever it might be, write them down so you bring up the question of why. And then in the next phase, you will have the ability and almost that uh, the beauty of hindsight to be able to figure out what it was that was actually bothering you about that. So if it is, you know, always picking up after your partner, is it because you feel like you're mothering him and there's that inequality in the relationship? But then being able to action that will come later in the phase. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you can turn around this concept of the inconvenience of a cycle and actually look at it with incredible and immense gratitude that it's a representation of your greatest connection to Mother Earth and life and the ability to give and create life, it can really give you a better perspective because, you know, we often, I and I've you know, heard this from, from women, 
that once they start to reach menopause or women who unfortunately have gone into premature menopause have found themselves resentful and sad at the missed opportunity of acknowledging the power in those cycles. And I thought that was really interesting because it's not until you lose something can you then step away and reflect on actually rather than it being inconvenient and annoying it was actually beautiful and it was an opportunity and it was powerful and it gave me feelings that I can't have now anymore because you don't have the flows and those cycles that whilst we're just part of you because that's who you are um, it's not until it changes you lose it and that's to be said of a lot of things in life isn't it we don't honor and acknowledge what we've got until something's taken away from us whether it be wealth uh, an individual a person you know a decease of a, someone you care deeply about and you never got a chance to say things regrets happen so the sooner you figure this stuff out the sooner you can sort of start to go actually being a woman's pretty damn cool I'm pretty really lucky about this and I'm really glad I get my cycles because it means that I'm in tune with the world and no one can take that away from me that I actually think that's really powerful exciting and and wonderful too I agree and I I like that concept of that some women may feel that regret. I think the the scary thing is that a lot of women, because of the way our culture is at the moment around our cycles and our periods, they get to menopause, they think, oh, great, thank God that part is over. And then off they'll trot and have a hysterectomy because they no longer need their um, reproductive organs because they've expired. And that is really sad. You hear so many times of women comparing notes going, oh, yeah, I, I had a hysterectomy. Um, I was in and out in a day and, uh, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago and now I feel great. What a great decision that I made. Their husbands were really supportive of that because they didn't want them to experience the hot flushes and the mood swings and the, you know, the sleepless nights and everything else that goes with that. But that transition into menopause and those things, that is an issue all unto itself. You know, that is a podcast all, you know, that, that topic in itself. However, um, every minute of every single day, a woman has a hysterectomy. They have their reproductive organs removed because of that inconvenience. And it steeps even deeper into our society that if a woman dies with her uterus, uh, gynecologically, that is termed retained uterus syndrome. Isn't that hilarious? What, if they pass away? With, with their uterus, it's it's a retained uterus. Or if a woman uh, is having, you know, say fibroids or some sort of issues that they cannot put, um, you know, a medical term on, it will just be retained uterine syndrome. Goodness me. Well, there you go. So ladies, look, we're trying to dispel this idea that um, your your cycles and your, your period and whatever you want to call it for any other name you might have for it is something to be embraced as opposed to something to be annoyed by. Um, it's certainly, I mean, look, it's pervasive and across cultures across the globe, humankind didn't exist if a woman couldn't reproduce and recreate. <laughs> The fact that we have a population explosion is simply down to the fact that a woman can reproduce. Now, if we stop honouring that, we live with great degrees of satisfaction. But in some parts of the world, it's also discrimination. Oh, yeah. Because the cycle is discriminated against because, like, I'm just, you have to have a, I mean, with respect to culture, but I still have to have a laugh because we are blessed to be born in countries where we're new age women, we can express ourselves freely, we don't have freedom of speech issues, hence the reason these podcasts can go out there and we don't have them pulled from the internet. But, you know, there's a cultural belief even still today in Japan where some sushi chefs, and these are, we're talking some famous sushi chefs with big restaurants, Tokyo, um, and then they're women can't be sushi chefs why not because of menstrual cycles 
Why? Well, because the myth here is that the menstruation will cause an imbalance of taste and therefore sushi should not be prepared by a woman. Isn't that interesting? So that's just there in one culture. Then you go across to some of the more Asian cultures and the cultural normals around that association with the evil spirits and shame and embarrassment surrounding sexual reproduction. I mean, India, for one, where women are restricted from prayers and holy books. They can't touch a holy book while they're menstruating for fear of contaminating a holy book. I mean, there's also there that if a woman touches a cow when she's on a period, the cow will become infertile. So these are pervasive, and we might smile and laugh, and you might be giggling and go, oh, how ridiculous, how absurd. I agree, but the problem is we switched around from a matriarchal civilization, and we're in an age of patriarchal society, and that means that the taboos that exist are ones that denigrate the beauty of womanhood. And can we just talk about when that, that switch sort of flipped? When did the switch? And I would like to know that. This is so interesting. Um, it was back in the 1400s, and this is when, you know, that really patriarchal society was uh, really emerging, and it was, had very religious connotations as well. And there were two priests, and this is not folklore, this is, you know, uh, historical events. There were two priests who came up with a text that pretty much said that a woman's uterus was where the devil presided and it's interesting that all around that time it was seen that many women who had very severe period pain or you know might be something like endometriosis it was a result of the uterus walking around a woman's body or you know dislodging itself from where it was and filled with the devil yeah and getting lost and, and filled with the devil and therefore any cycle rites and rituals that were potentially uh, witchcraft or even anything that was um, pagan, for example, was deemed as worshipping the devil. So any women who used herbs to help with their period cramps, any who even lived and planted by the moon, like, you know, if we do that today, but back then, Anything that was associated with this was seen as witchcraft, was seen as devil's work, and was evoking, you know, the, the evil devil spirits. So, from then, anyone was killed, and they were burnt at the stake, they were drowned, you know, whatever methods it was to get rid of this. And this is also when that culture started of that kill or be killed, you dob in your neighbour or they will kill you culture. Nine million women were executed because of this time, because of this document that was brought out by these two priests saying that the devil resided in our uterus. And this is what has happened. And that culture has now, or, or that, that time, has now led to what we have today. Not only have we disassociated ourselves with our cycles, but also we have that bitchiness, that one-uppedness, that backstabbing, that all started from then when you would dob in your girlfriends, your next door neighbours, um, family members even, because it was life or death. And now women are catty and callous and cruel to each other and it's all come from men. Well, look, I hope that today you start to see your cycle as something incredibly beautiful um, because... There are historical reasons why we no longer honour that beauty and our belief as, you know, we, we call ourselves the wellness women because wellness is not just a process of understanding how to eat good food and how to move properly and how to have a good healthy headspace. It's actually understanding, I would suggest, the life cycle 
what it is from the magnificence of conception through to every evolution and change in your body as you pass through your life cycle and to celebrate all of them for every cycle there's an incredibly beautiful part of that cycle so and look this won't answer your frustrations i don't think for women who are sitting there going you know but i I get all this period pain and stuff this is not an episode to try and help you solve those you know clinical and, and pathological problems in terms of reproduction but this is starting to help you understand how holding intense emotional anchors to your body such Mm. as negativity such as i don't like my periods i hate my periods i wish i didn't have them that plays out in a physical symptomatic expression as well so some of the health problems we experience are a direct reflection of our perception and consciousness of our body and what we think is right and wrong and we want you to start to see your body as right as right as right as right as it is as it needs to be and these health problems while some may need to be solved medically through intervention, there's a lot of things we shouldn't be doing medically to our body because we think it's wrong. Oh, I completely agree. And even just the honoring of these ebbs and flows of the month and just knowing, okay, this is a time when I need to start to slow down a little bit, how much your body will benefit from that. And can I also just say that the idea of menstrual blood being so unhygienic and how women especially in India how they can't touch cows because it will make them infertile and things like that the opposite is actually true menstrual blood actually contains stem cells which means that it has the ability to be converted into any other tissue in the body and is so fertile so it can actually be used um you know as a pretty damn potent fertilizer uh so True. You, know, you, you might be thinking what on earth are they talking about we literally mean into the earth yeah you come from the earth you go to the earth and your menstrual blood is rich in nitrogen oxygen all the blood cells endometrial lining all of that is direct tissue i mean what do you think you spread on the garden when you spread blood and bone yeah exactly you know you're spreading a deceased animal sure but we're nature too so Yeah, that's an interesting one. So how would you go that far, Andrew? What would you have to do? Well, this is where I really like the idea of those menstrual cups um, rather than, you know, pads and tampons and things that either stop up or block what is a normal flow, um, you know, that we have each month is that the menstrual cups are much more environmentally conscious as well. Um, On the environmental front, sanitary pad, a single sanitary pad equivalent of four plastic bags and how many do you use each cycle yeah and half the adult population is menstruating every single month and i mean lots of uh, women don't actually have access to these sorts of things however this is why i'm a big uh, a big fan of the menstrual cups um it's a way of capturing the blood um it is reusable as well you can go and <laughs> distribute it out on the garden however you want look i'm not going to go into detail about that um but it, it's just something to be revered it is not disgusting it is not it's it's we're women we're supposed to have a menstrual cycle and our femininity is that is the most powerful force in the universe how have we got so disconnected i think we've answered some of those questions and now we can start to make those small changes to possibly try and get more connected with our cycle one thing that i'm trying to do is look at my cycle uh, or look at my calendar in a month 
so and make decisions that I need to make according to that month you know I have done a lot of work on on my body and on my cycle so my period is completely uneventful I don't have any symptoms whatsoever however I do notice the subtleties and the changes intuitively uh, in regards to things I'm more sensitive at certain times of the month so I am going to use that to my biggest advantage mm. and look on a wellness women health front we you know, really implore that you make healthy choices. This includes it through the cycle time. Be concerned regarding regular tampons yeah. because of the fact that they're from a bleached product because that gives them that sanitary, clean look about them. They're pure white for a reason. Um, it's also known that we don't have to declare on sanitary products what is in them and how they're produced because they're considered a medical product. Yeah. So you don't know what you're putting in. So there's risks of the absorption of the chlorines and the bleaches that are used to bleach this. Now, chlorines associated with increased risks of cancer. So, you know, when we're talking about increasing rates of cervical cancer and all the rest, ask the question, a lifetime of putting a chlorine bleach tampon in your vajayjay, whatever you want to call it, is going to carry some serious consequence and effect and there's potential risks involved. So we do ask you to look for organic tampons i really like the tom brand uh tom stand for time of month um they're ethically sourced the uh cotton that they use is organic as well and there's much less chance of having retention of the materials inside the vagina as well whereas conventional uh tampons they've shown that you can certainly retain a lot of the material um i know that they're very convenient for certain uh times of month you know you probably need that depending on what your lifestyle uh, sort of affords however just be aware that it's not as simple as it seems yeah and of course trying to make those options such as using a moon cup and where would you find one of those andrea you can buy them online uh a lot of universities actually sell them which i think is really interesting ladies today start to think a little bit more about your cycles just start to connect with these four phases go back and re-listen to what those four phases are and the benefits of being in tune with the phase and some of the things you can be doing the power you will have in each of those phases. know when you can manipulate the men better <laughs> why not why not use the power and uh, we really do hope you have a fantastic week uh, in health and well-being we're here for you always if you want to connect go to www.facebook.com forward slash the wellness women and we would love to hear if whether or not you wanted to start some sort of ritual within your community whether or not you wanted to start some sort of red tent ritual or do you have one already is there one that we can share with other women who are online who want to go well hang on red tents great idea but i don't have one and where could i get one or how do i get involved in one or do you also want ideas of how you could possibly initiate your daughter's into oh, yeah, yes. really understanding their own feminine wisdom. Yeah. How amazing would that be if we you know, raise a, a generation of really in-tune women who respect and honour their bodies? Uh, so that's the message that we want to leave you with today. Um, but otherwise, find us on our website, uh, thewellnesswomen.com.au. I've really enjoyed this episode today. <laughs> Me too. And we hope you have a fantastic week. Be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. 
Austin Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.